In this week's Big Tech Show, we talk to the Dublin startup that wants to help big companies stop making stupid, embarrassing mistakes with their AI, such as telling people to eat rocks as part of a healthy diet. Basic definition of hallucination is say, stating something very confidently, but in fact, it's factually incorrect. This AI technology is very good at stating something very confident, mimicking human-level confidence, but then they could be factually incorrect. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, from the rat catcher to the family, we look at the key players in Ireland's criminal underbelly. Well, there's the old guard, the hardened criminals who are bigger, stronger, and more dangerous than ever. Around 2020, they were flagged as earning about 20 million a year from heroin. There was a raid on them and, you know, within a a year, it was looking as if they were making that amount in three months. And then we have the new kids on the block who are ruthless in who they target and take down. And they're not afraid to brag about it across social media. They live for the day, by the day, and they try and survive every day. And sometimes, if you're living in that world to survive, you have to take out the guy who's planning to take you out. While the Kinahan gang are by far the best-known cartel, both at home and internationally, there are other criminal players in town. These cartels are created when you have a number of gangs with a number of skill sets coming together and joining forces. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today I'm joined by Nicola Talent, Investigations Editor of The Sunday World, who's going to explain to me what Ireland's world of organised crime looks like now and how the young drug gangs are ripping up the established rulebook. Nicola, is it almost a case of old against new now in terms of gangland violence? Well, certainly there's two kind of um, significant things going on in Dublin at the moment. And one is this feud that is happening in Finglas. Um, This is within what was once one gang known as either the Gucci gang or the flashy mob. They have divided and they've gone to war against one another in a very dangerous, volatile and fast moving situation. In the Ballyfermot area, we saw in the last few weeks the, a shooting of a kind of an older criminal, a guy called Gary the Canary, Carey is his nickname, but he was targeted and who's suspected to be behind that is a kind of an older mob known as the family, who would be Ireland's next cartel. They have been flagged for the past certainly three years as being making unprecedented uh, growing really at at an unprecedented rate since the takedown of the Kinahan cartel. They're much more business-like. They would be um, veterans in that most of them are in their 40s and um, they'll be much more controlled as regards what they're doing. Um, They don't want to bring a huge amount of heat on themselves by, uh, you know, the, the area being 
being flooded with police in the same way as it is over in Finglas. That's interesting, Nicola, because it, you say the family, you know, they're, they're, they kind of keep a, a lower profile and that's in stark contrast with, with the Gucci gang playing out so much of what they do over social media as well. I mean, absolutely. So the, the family um, have been operating for about two decades, which is a long time to be in the drugs business. Um, they were largely into heroin. That was their, their main drug of sale. And a lot of the younger gangs and, you know, within the kind of the gangland landscape, you'd have a lot of gangs that would think it was a bit scummy to deal heroin. They'd avoid it. They would prefer to deal with cocaine and cannabis. And, um, you know, there's been this sort of snobbish attitude almost about the the heroin dealers. But the fact of the matter is heroin is the 24-7 drug. Um, Anybody dealing heroin knows the phone never stops. You have proper addicts taking it, whereas cocaine would be more recreational. While you have people using it daily, there would be a big surge of use over the weekend, you know, over the summer summer months when people are socialising. So I suppose if you were to look at, um, to go into the market, the heroin one is a very steady drug and they have steadily been building themselves up over those two decades, albeit the two leaders have been in and out of prison a bit. But nonetheless, they've been working away there, linked in with George the Penguin Mitchell's gangs. Mitchell is on the continent for years, but has been, um, you know, has been, uh, there's been intelligence given to a a German court actually in, in recent years about how big a contender he is on the international wholesale market. They would be linked also with, um, a gang linked to a guy called Didi O'Driscoll from Ballyfermot, another veteran, we'll call him, even though he's in his 40s. He was described by the Criminal Assets Bureau of the leader of a, um, a criminal organisation, a large-scale one involved in, in distributing heroin, cocaine and cannabis. So they're very, very established. Um, they have avoided feuds and that's because they'd be very business-minded and they know that it's not really good to be involved in daylight shootings. The shooting of Kerry, I would see it as a business strategy. They are taking over more and more turf in the last few years. There was around 2020, they they were flagged at earning about 20 million a year from heroin, but there was a raid on them. And, um, you know, within a, a year, it was looking as if they were making that amount in three months. So that's how gu- big and quickly they're growing. Kerry appears to have um, sort of annoyed a number of different mobs and the suspicion is they may have come together again in business like fashion within that world to to take him off the streets. He has survived so far, although he's in intensive care and he has survived a previous hit attempt on his life last November. So he just seems to be a lone wolf that they they might want rid of because he's trying to hang on to some of his own business and they clearly want to to take that over. Are the younger gangs more inclined to target and uh, lash out than the, the, the veteran gangs, as you, as you mentioned? In Finglas, you have these group of very, very young criminals who are literally waging warfare on the streets. If you think about it, even from your own point of view, some of the things you know, you do in your teenage years, your early 20s are very different to what you do as you get older and you kind of you know, you're, you're looking towards a retirement maybe of such. Whereas when they're younger and they tend to be 
very much taking the drugs, the cocaine, steroids. They're sort of committed to this life of crime, this life of violence, and it's a lifestyle. It's almost a cultural thing to them. So what you have in Finglas is you have a particular individual uh, known as Mr. Flashy. He heads up the Gucci gang. They've already gone to war in 2019 and been involved in a number of, or suspected of being involved in a, in a feud that resulted in the loss of life. So they're back again now. And what's happened in that grouping is that um, an individual called James Whelan um, saw a little area of the business for himself and he he was running what was called a scooter gang. So he had a kind of crew while underneath the, the flashy mob, he was kind of creating a little bit of business for himself, very lucrative actually, and was becoming more powerful. So instead of allowing him go it alone, he has been shot dead there in April, which was a very significant murder and has caused really, um, you know, mayhem in Finglas. I was talking to somebody recently who was going through it and, and there's roadblocks everywhere. There's a huge amount of guard of presence there. Um, there was an attempt on the life of Mr. Flashy, the, the gang leader. In recent weeks, he escaped from a taxi that was... Uh, Two, two individuals opened fire on. That was probably the closest he's ever got to being shot dead. He continues to kind of flaunt his wealth, his lifestyle and his power on social media. They There's been at least 80 attacks so far in the area, be it beatings, shootings, um, grenade attacks on homes. The two sides have very much gone to war and the homes even of female associates of the, the gang leaders, um, even the late James Whelan, have been attacked. And that is a new sort of a, a, a style of gangland warfare. In the past, the gangs would have, I mean, in the past, probably talking 20 years ago or more, the gangs would have largely sort of had this unwritten rule that you didn't go after um, the families. You just went after one another. But that's all gone. Look, social media has fueled it. You can see the changes that have happened really over the last 20 years within Gangland. And it is all about putting up these postings on TikTok, on uh, Instagram. Um, some of them do it quite publicly under their own profiles. Um, when James Whelan was killed on April 3rd, shot dead within days, there was all sorts of pretty vile videos put up on on TikTok, you know, what do the bullets taste like? And there was threats to dig up his coffin. There was a very spectacular funeral held for him, um, estimated to have cost about 30,000. He was buried in a gold casket. This is very sort of narco style. It's it's a, a lifestyle thing that has been borrowed ultimately from the Mexicans and you know it's becoming cultural here now within within the the, the realms of, of gangland and Nicola is there a sense at all of how the the longer established gangs feel about the younger gangs or new gangs you see a lot of them will um be using the younger gangs to carry out their their warfare for, for them. You know, significant figures in the background there over in Finglas would have been recruiting these younger guys and directing them to do what they're doing. You know, you have this guy, Mr. Flashy, he's not yet 30. It feels like he's been around for decades. And he is now seen as a veteran. He is recruiting young teenagers, 14, etc. 
to do his bidding. And of course, they can't be dealt with by the law in the same way an older person can. So they're very useful, these kids. The family gang in Ballyfermot, while they haven't traditionally gone for gun feud, they have also used younger people, vulnerable people. What's significant about them is they actually use local drug addicts to hold their goods for them, to hold their drug consignments, to hold their weaponry. They remain very much hands off. The longer they stay in the business, and usually when some of these individuals go into jail for a period of time, they'll come out more committed to not going back in, committed to staying hands off, to being more businesslike in their approach to what they're doing and to using younger people if they need to carry out a hit or beatings or whatever. I mean, be under no illusion, the family gang are very, very feared and uh, they've remained that way despite not being linked to a huge amount of shootings. Um, you know, they will um, use their own community against one another and they put up with nothing. I mean, if you owe 100 quid or you owe 30,000, you pay up and it doesn't matter where the money comes from. That's all part and parcel of that world. They cannot be seen to be weak at the top. They have to be seen to take no prisoners when it comes to collecting their money. It's all about the money. The family gang have been hit a number of times uh, by the guards, by the Criminal Assets Bureau. There's been significant amounts of money taken from them. But it'll be a case of chip, chip, chipping away at them. And unlike the Kinahan cartel, they don't have aspirations to move abroad. They have aspirations to stay put within their community. Their wealth isn't as obvious, even though they're culminating a huge amount of it. They seem to have a pretty slick money laundering wing that you know is being chipped away at and they will be easier to police in a way that they're in this country and we're not relying on international cooperation. Nicola, there's another gang I'd like to ask you about and that's uh, the Ratigan gang. Can you tell me a little bit about them? Uh, what's their business and you know who was involved with them? Well, Brian Ratigan, who is was released from prison recently, he had initially gone to war in the original of the Dublin feuds, the Crumlin Drimna feud, which kicked off just in 2000 and um, 2001, when a very young gang um, in the Crumlin area who had been used by John Gilligan before them as runners and dealers, when Gilligan was taken off the scene after the murder of Veronica Gear, and they moved into that void and they were, you know, only 18, 19, they came, became very rich, very powerful, very quickly, and they fell out on two sides Brian Rattigan leading one and Freddie Thompson now convicted of murder and serving a life term in prison leading the other. For 10 years, there was tit for tat killings. There was up to 16 murders linked to that. Brian Rattigan himself went to jail initially for the murder of a rival, uh, Declan Gavin. And the case was later, he was later convicted of the manslaughter um, of him. So he was always said to have continued running his, or his operation from behind bars he was linked to a number of um, drug seizures even while he was in prison. And when he got out, there were fears, was he going to try and reestablish himself in Dublin? But it appears he has moved to Spain and he's claimed he's going straight. The suspicion is that he has teamed up with the, the, um, the family gang in order to remove Kerry from the scene. So that's another kind of an area that the police will be watching with um 
trepidation that Rattigan and the family and others within that area are coming together because these cartels are created when you have a number of gangs with a number of skill sets coming together, coming to the table and joining forces. So they're, they're bringing together their, their money, they're bringing together their laundering facilities, they're bringing together their, you know, their wholesale connections. Rattigan would be kind of more synonymous with cocaine dealing. The family, very tight roots in with the Turkish community, buying in heroin through Afghanistan direct, not using European dealers. You know, it is a kind of a, you know, the clouds are, are, are colliding there and you could see an extremely, extremely powerful cartel developing um, through the, the merging of those gangs. Now, they could have just come together in a, a mutual depreciation for Kerry and decided that it was, you know, it was worthwhile joining forces on that and that they will continue their independent businesses. But that would be a concern and there'd be a lot of uh, intelligence coming in on that. And Nicola, is it a coincidence at all that these uh, these uh, gangs are joining forces at a time when the Kinnahans are probably at its weakest? Not at all. I mean, traditionally, what you see is when a powerful gang are taken out, others that have been there working away will move in to, to kind of clean up what they can. It's exactly like the corporate world, really. If you see the collapse of a big business, you'll see other kind of medium scale smaller scale businesses move in and try and take their their customers. And that's exactly what's happening here. And that happens um, when you have an older gang like the family who are, you know, very cautious in what they do and hands off. You know, they won't go into a, a kind of a, a shooting war now to, to take over this business. They will be coming at it from a much more mature way. They'll be trying to merge their forces and to, to mop up everything the Kinnahans have left behind. In Finglas, they're very, very volatile, very young, um, very much into showing off their wealth and they're living very fast. They're just a different generation, a younger generation who are committed to this sort of this world and aren't thinking into the future. They live for the day, by the day, and they try and survive every day. And sometimes... If you're living in that world to survive, you have to take out the guy who's maybe planning to take you out. And my thanks there to Nicola Talent, investigations editor of The Sunday World and host of The Crime World podcast. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recording and sound design by John Smith. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.